0: Hi, my name is Alejandro Pérez Pérez, and this is the AI Coffee Podcast. Every two weeks, you will have one disruptive aspect of technology and artificial intelligence for the time to drink a cup of coffee. Today, we are going to discuss about so, so many interesting things, and for doing that, we have a very interesting guest. Her name is Helen. Welcome, Helen.
1: Hi, Alejandro.
0: Thanks for having me. Helen Twenny is an expert in digital transformation and artificial intelligence with a passion for making society more human through technology. She has recently started a freelance career in the field of digital transformation and she's launching a startup in artificial intelligence for digital inclusion. Wow, Helen, it feels like you are passionate about this transformation digital transformation but also to pushing humanity through it so can you maybe start uh talking about yourself your career your motivations and um can you share with us a little bit your journey becoming an expert in digital transformation
1: all right so initially i studied communication and business uh, management international management and uh yeah, uh, there were not so many careers for people uh who wanted to work in tech. uh you could uh yeah uh, study uh, i t or engineering, but that was uh, not my choice. but very early on uh, I had the opportunity to work on digital projects and um and it steered a lot of interest for me so um so little by little, my career started shifting towards this uh this direction and uh i went uh, from being a project manager working on developing um digital platforms uh and uh yeah and websites uh to being um team leader uh, having a team working for me and uh, handling a uh, um set of uh, let's say uh, applications and eventually uh i uh, got uh more ambitious, uh, real transformation um, proje- program, and uh, and yes, yeah, so so my career involved in this direction. So my career now it's it's it's, it's a lot tech, <laughs> but uh, but I keep doing this uh, this role mm-hmm. of being a bit the middleman between tech, uh, business, uh, clients, uh, and uh, and yeah this is how my career involved in, in this
0: direction. It feels really interesting, uh, but uh, something maybe complicated is to handle to 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 be, let's say, a bridge between different different positions, different roles, different even environments. So, what are for you the the best points or the big the big learns maybe of being between the tech world, the business world, or even other worlds? You know, what uh, are like your big considerations, the better thoughts, the the yeah. Your point now uh, about it about that
1: well i think when you talk about uh, digital transformation it's not just uh, the adoption and the implementation of a digital technology but it's really um yeah it it is really about changing the ways people are working collaborating uh, how a business is delivering its value, so there is kind of a profound cultural shift that has to happen. And I found that um, when you deal with such complex projects and you have a huge variety of stakeholders, you do actually a lot of um, a lot of advocating. So, uh, so next to really managing uh, the daily life of these programs and real question from the field about how to uh, deal with uh, yeah what uh, what changes technology bring. You really have to to work a lot on advocating what you do to the people, what change you are bringing on, and and making sure that uh, in order to do that you encompass the different uh, perspectives of uh, yeah of all stakeholders that are involved. So I think it's really this this way of being you know not only uh, speaking to everyone but also listening to everyone and kind of incorporate understanding what they have to say. So you you have to have kind of a mixed background, meaning that you can, you have to speak the language of the technicians. You have to speak the language of, you know uh, the executive <laughs> you have to speak the language of let's say the subject matter expert that uh, that is uh, yeah that that has perhaps some some questions about how uh, his or her job is going to change uh, but uh, but yes you have to to listen uh, also uh, a lot um, to to be able to manage these projects
0: yes how important Listening is actually, and and how rare it is to to do it, and it's something, it's a very important skill. To be honest, I think so, uh, but for me, it's one of the of the hardest ones because uh, we are used to to live in a world where uh, the ones that speak the loudest maybe are the, the the more the most listened actually, and and sometimes it's complicated to be uh, just listen, but that's also the position where you learn the most as well. So. That's a good a good point, Helen. Um, what about your freelance career? Because, uh, well, I mentioned before that uh, you are starting a freelance career. Um, and and uh, I would like to know what motivations you have behind for doing so and also for making a society more human, uh, more human through AI and technology. Uh, what about that? How do you yeah. do it?
1: All right, so... Um... What is there is a lot of diversity and convergence in my career. So diversity um, by the fact that I worked in uh, various sectors. So I worked in uh, public affairs, I worked in uh, energy, education, uh, health, uh, insurance funds. So uh, I've seen a lot of different uh, sectors. And, um, and I learned a lot from them. And, uh, and my practice was about also kind of cross pollinating <laughs> each of my experience uh, with what I have uh, seen in other, because it tend, these sectors tended to be uh, quite, let's say, stable. People uh, tend to specialize a lot in these sectors and when you come from outside and uh, you bring a different perspective and sometimes you are a bit like the fool in the room asking questions uh, that are perhaps kind of uh, yeah strange to some people but uh, but but yeah it's because you you come with a different perspective so i found this um very enriching and people were really appreciating the fact that I was coming with this different perspective. But in the meantime, there is some conversions. Uh, I've always worked in, um, I was lucky enough uh, actually to work in uh, companies that had, let's say a virtuous mission uh, and they were always kind of mixed um, public-private environments. So, um publicly funded um very often regulated also so you didn't have all the freedom that you would have in a strictly private uh, company Uh, but in the meantime with some uh, agility that you could find in uh, the private sector and some also kind of um let's say um pressure to deliver and be performant. (laughs) So, because sometimes you had shareholders. So, so there was also this, uh, uh, this, um, this dimension. And I found it also very enriching to be able to have, to know these two, um, Mm -hmm. to have to work with these different constraints. And um, yeah, uh, I, I found it very, very, Interesting, and I thought, okay, now I, I, after spending a lot of years in these sectors, I feel that I would like to 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 be more um, in an external position uh, where I can, you know, bring my knowledge uh, and um, and being also a bit aside from yeah uh, logics that uh, you would experience more if you are in a company and that you have to also uh, pilot a career and where whatever you say is also yeah also defining how you're going to be perceived and what are your chances to evolve in this uh, in this company so i wanted to take this out of the equation and be more in a kind of a neutral expert uh, position where i can say okay uh, given my expertise given what i've seen um there and there uh given my um, my knowledge and now my specific knowledge also on on AI that I've been uh, yeah developing over the last year this is what I think and this is uh this is the the position I feel more comfortable uh, in having uh
0: now it feels like you are really passionate about this. So, and I mean, while you are talking, it it, it looks like that. So, um, I I can see from your eyes while you are talking that you are passionate in, in this point, uh, from w- with this perspective you have, and also, um, I mean, that you are also inside uh, the project. So, yeah, I, I can understand it, yes. And I think, um, yeah, people also will, will agree with me that you feel really, that you are motivated there. So, great. So let's let's also pass to the to the subject of of this episode because um, I I wanted you to talk about human-centered design projects about how important it is to create human value while uh, working with digital transformation and I have one question um, I mean do, you mentioned that before a little bit but I would like you to explain a little bit more the concept of of human certainty design. Well, you didn't explain like that, you explained uh, more about the ideas that how important it is to, to work with people and for people. But um, can you explain it a bit better what's human-centered design projects and, it, and the importance it has uh, in our society?
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, human-centered design is a comprehensive approach to crafting products, uh, systems, and services that prioritize the needs, the preferences, the behavior, um of of the end users actually so it's really about uh taking these considerations taking the end user and putting it at the forefront uh, of the design process instead of uh doing tech for tech for instance <laughs> so it is about taking the perspective of the user taking his uh his the problem uh he or she might be facing and um and really developing something that is, uh, that respects uh, the user also in its humanity. Um, So this goes also about uh, the ethical issues for instance. So human-centered design, it it is, yeah, it is something that, um, yeah, calls for empathy um with the user. So we use a lot of co-creation uh, techniques. Um, and we work in an agile uh, manner, which means that um, we use uh, prototyping, we fail fast, there, there are some a lot of me- feedback mechanisms that are embedded in the way we develop uh, the, the services. Um, and, um, and also we make sure that we, uh, have kind of multidisciplinary teams and stakeholders to really represent the variety of stakeholders. And this is really something that, uh, that is important to me. Uh, it's, um, you know, we see over the last year that everything becomes digital and, um, and of course, for people who are educated, uh, it's, it's, it just brings uh, a lot more uh, yeah, freedom. And you can, you know, you can uh, go to your bank uh, even during the night and you can do whatever, whenever you want. But, uh, but there are a lot of people who are actually excluded from this, uh, from this progress. And uh, this is all about inclusion and what I want to work on. But, but, in a human-centered design, you you really take all stakeholders into account, and and you really design kind of socio-technical um, systems that 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 really let's say support society as a whole, and you you ensure in the way you um, you take your user into the crafting of this uh, of the product that that you really yeah that. Uh, that your solution serves the largest uh, number of uh, of people. So this is how um, how I see it. I don't think there is one single definition, um, but for me it is really important, and it's really super important now because it is. From, I think the only way of guaranteeing that, uh, let's say, or democratic um, and. Uh, and human rights um values uh, are really embedded in uh the products we design and this is of yeah of paramount importance if you take ai for instance uh where you have this uh black box effect where you cannot always uh, explain uh, the decisions that are taken uh i think it's really important to 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 ensure that you have yeah humans that are at the center of what we are going to develop and so which means that yeah it has to be explainable it has to uh, it has to 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 exclude biases and so on
0: yes it's true that it's it, it's the key of everything because we as humans are working for humans somehow so um, we sometimes forget, you know, that maybe we we think that we are working for uh, I don't know for money or for um, other things, but at the end of the day, everything we are doing is for another human being to be I don't know for a service or a product that is going to be for them important. So um, I think now we talk often about human centered design because of AI and and digital transformation, but even before, even I mean, it's something that it's like relevant every time because even you know cars when they were invented at the beginning uh, they needed to think okay how people are going to sit comfortable here in these Mm -hmm. seats or uh, how they are going to drive or I don't know or even before I don't know in in everything that is is designed somehow um, it is very very important to think how humans are going to use it And, and usually which is something even better is that at the end of the day uh, the products that are human-centered design are the the best usually, and maybe maybe they are not the best in terms of powerful or or other things. But if people like to use them, uh, that's the better. That's the good point actually. <laughs> they are going to be they are going to be sold or they are going to be used. So I mean, it's it's that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, do you have any any example idea also to? To, that maybe comes to your mind while talking about um, human certain design um, into like good practices or bad practices that you have you have seen often or, or once for example like I said before uh, with the cars if they're not well done for the seating maybe if they're, they're not comfortable so even though the engine would be super powerful uh, they're not going to be used do you have any other ideas coming to your mind? <sighs>
1: Yeah, I haven't thought a lot about this one about real examples um, or bad examples. I mean, I I spoke about this uh, because it's the only one that that comes to me. But it's it's really about yeah the um, yeah the inclusiveness of uh, of of digital, uh, for instance, uh, e-services that you have uh, in uh, yeah. <laughs> in Belgium uh, for instance uh, now everything that is about pension uh, has been digitalized so uh, so for instance uh, my mother whenever she has a communication regarding her pension uh, she received a letter that saying that she has to go on the website <laughs> to check uh, what um, what uh, <laughs> what is the communication. And actually, she, whenever this uh, letter arrives, she freaks out. <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> she's not alone, so we can help her. And uh, and and it's not it's not difficult for us uh to to do it i mean it's it's well done now you have a uh, you have a very uh, good system that uh that uh, makes it possible to to log in uh using an app that is installed on on a on a smartphone and um um but um but the problem is that people who are uh, older for instance i mean they 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 have a general aversion uh, towards uh digital technology so i'm not saying uh, it's it's a bad thing because i i can see the gain that is uh, that is made it's just that this uh, specific public i mean this these specific users it's difficult for them to rely quasi exclusively on a digital channel to get very important uh, information and um yeah so um i know for instance in belgium they are doing a lot to kind of educate uh digital migrants and um um yeah there are some free courses and also public servants now developing uh online services uh have to kind of follow usability guidelines and uh, and so on but but sometimes it's just about technology um, and digital digitization cannot encompass all the use cases and you have to accept it and uh, and take into account the perspective of the user that is okay uh, some people that are older don't feel comfortable and sometimes they don't even have yeah, an application on the smartphone to be able to log in the website to have uh, information about their pension, and uh, and this for me should be at the core uh, of uh, how you are going to design this, um, uh, let's say, use case, uh, providing information about pension to Belgian citizens. So um, so yeah, this is uh, an example of uh, something that. Uh, Mm-hmm. Could be perhaps different.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. It is a good example because in Spain, uh, I think last year or, or a year before, uh, there was a campaign that was really, um, a, a, I mean, famous here in Spain, and it was made by uh, an old, um, an old person, and, and like, and uh, a, a, yes, an old person that apparently I think he was. A doctor and a very relevant person. I mean, uh, when he was working in a hospital or something like that, and he started a campaign uh, whose name was uh, "We are all, we are only old, we are not the stupid." Uh, I mean, <laughs> Translated into into English, Excellent. but that was in Spanish, and and that was really, really, really clever because that's the point. Actually, I mean, uh, these people has uh, have a lot to, to say, but the only thing is that uh they are not used to the way we now everything we we, we do uh, digital and and uh, it, it was referring uh, in this specific case more to banking uh because banks in Spain uh due to to the covid pandemic and and later on almost everything now is digital or in the ATMs so uh you are not you cannot talk to another human and it's even worse in the countryside and and they they i mean more old people older people usually live in the countryside so it's even worse the, the situation so um it was a very famous campaign and and it shows how important it is to take old people in the equation but i mean also other kinds of of people because uh all the needs should be re- should be covered and they are also like users and 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 they need to to be able also to use it and you cannot directly say okay let's move to digital because for many other users it's it's better and that's true but not for the, for all of them so yeah it's complicated yes i agree but helen let's also talk about um the the, the fact that you work with as, as i said before with different roles different uh teams in, in multidisciplinary teams um what strategies do you use to ensure effective coordination between uh, so many different people?
1: Yeah, so I think the basis of all is having a su- successful teams. And when I mean teams uh, that are successful, I mean by that, first of all, complementarity of rules and perspectives. So as you would need subject matter aspect uh, and uh, tech experts, uh, depending, of course, of the technology you are implementing, there are some specificities, of course, Uh, you also need, I think, a good mix uh, between internal people, external people, because what I see often is that sometimes, yeah, um, some can happen that uh, some companies are over relying, for instance, uh, on external people, and I think it's dangerous too, or on the other side of the spectrum, trying to do everything internally. And and actually, if you take technology, it moves too fast. And I think it, it's, it really brings the best if you can kind of work in mixed teams, uh, even if it's indeed challenging. Uh, But uh, but this is something that I found very, uh, very, very important. And uh, when I speak about diversity, um, I'm not uh, doing kind of, uh, you know, uh, advocating uh, diversity for the sake of advocating diversity. I I have really seen that diverse team in terms of uh, cultural background, um, Uh, genres, um, ages also uh, tend to work better because when you work on implementing something, uh, it brings a lot of challenges. And uh, if you have a diverse team, you have different perspectives. And if you have in this team, um, kind of you celebrate those differences and you favor um, emulation, then you have kind of this... uh, you know, they they tend to think better and uh, and to provide a richer set of uh, of answer to challenges that might come, but also to uh, kind of uh, identify more uh, upfront uh, what could be some complications uh, for let's say for instance uh, the adoption of uh, of a technology involving different processes. So I think diverse teams are really really important. Um, then um, what was important, but I've touched a word about that earlier, is really the understanding you need digital leadership um, at the top of the company, because dealing with transformation, it's not like, okay, uh, we are just going to implement uh, some fancy tool, and then uh, it's going to be better. No, it really uh, touches uh, on how people are working on their daily jobs, or how people are collaborating. Sometimes it it can even change the balance between teams because, for instance, you could implement something that in a team means that we are not going to need some people because the work had have been totally automatized. While in other people in other teams you will need more people because you are perhaps bringing a. Marketing uh, platform that enable people to do kind of a personalization, um, targeting, and uh, and and then means that you can you can hire more people to, to 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 work with this tool. So so yeah, I mean the the implications are more than just technical, and uh, and if you don't have this uh, technological leadership and yeah leaders that really understand the impact. Uh, that's uh, that can be different, and this is why, as um, a manager in, of these kind of programs, you need to do a lot of uh, advocating. Uh, and then agile, agility, I've I've talked about it because this is one of the principal <laughs> that yeah, say the techniques of the uh, of the human centered uh, design approach. But really, um, it is important to. Be able to to deliver quickly and fail fast. So you have to I mean to change the the conception of failure and really embed failure in success. <laughs> so to be able to be successful, you need to be able to fail in a controlled way, of course. <laughs> we don't want to, to, uh, to jeopardize uh, what uh, what the organization is doing or to impact uh, users in a not pleasant way. But, but really, this uh, agility in uh, um, being iterative, uh, providing kind of... Uh, yeah, prototypes to be able to test, see the response and adjust is really important. And something that is super important also, and this is what Agility is also about for me, is that we live in a changing environment. And I mean, especially if you are in AI, look at what happened this week in terms of regulation all over the world. It was crazy. And and this is something this is something that changes super quickly we live also in a world where companies, organizations have to adjust constantly and technology is also evolving daily. So so agility is also being able to, to cope with all those changes and still be able to deliver something in a kind of career and division. So to me, agility is not something that means like, okay, I can be, you know, I can go to this direction and then I can be, I can go in this one because then you, you don't go anywhere. But being able to, Adapt, but still following uh, a vision, a direction that is coherent. So, uh, so yeah, I think that was um, that's where my uh, my takeover for for doing
0: this. Yes, I I should say that I mean I cannot understand a digital transformation or an IT organization otherwise than agile because. Uh, now, if, if, just if I see, for I think, for example, in in ChatGPT, for example, right? Uh, it was about a year ago when it arrives. Only one year ago. So, if we had planned, for example, a digital transformation, uh, I mean, but like a waterfall project with different uh, things on the on the path uh, for maybe one or two years, two years ago, I mean no one has thought about ChatGPT or something even similar so the contest has changed so quickly that it's completely impossible to 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 have today an idea of what we are going to do one year later or two years later it's impossible directly so as you said uh, it's very important to have like the direction of what we want to do more or less but then adapt it completely every day almost and, and adapt to the new regulation and the new products and everything arriving. Yes, yes I, I agree with you. And also um, something I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you, we can talk about so, so many different things, but one thing that uh, that I saw in your profile that you are also uh, like, I think an expert and, and you talk a little bit on, on LinkedIn about it, as I saw, is about the smart cities. Um how do you see the role of open data in shaping smart cities?
1: Yeah, I mean there are a lot of roles, uh, but uh, what interests me uh, the most in um, yeah, in open data enabling smart cities is really yeah, the fact that you can use data to make informed governance, to do informed governance. So this is really about you know having a sound base of taking um, for taking some decisions and and and, and really can being able also to justify them in a very transparent uh, and and I find it democratic way. so So I'm excited about how um, open data can open the governance of uh, of cities and uh, so yeah to me this is the the first uh, very important aspect but also um and now even more that 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 i'm starting in this uh, startup venture um open that data also means it means it's becoming possible for smaller um, organizations and new entrants <laughs> to um to take part to um the the technological progress uh, of the city and its progress uh, <laughs> in general and um, and yeah I mean you have this data you can um, you can imagine a service because you are a citizen you are confronted daily with some uh, pain points for instance and uh, and and if you have access to this data you can be proactive and um, and if you are in an environment that uh, sustain entrepreneurship, because this is also important you can you can really bring um this um this innovation uh, to uh, structures that perhaps um, could not actually cope with the speed of uh, innovation that is needed to um, yeah to to match with uh, the citizens expectations so uh, so i think this uh the way it um it enables ecosystems of innovation uh, involving startups, uh, I think it's it's really uh, to me uh, the yeah one key aspect i'm uh, I'm excited about.
0: Yes, and I, I I agree with you, and also I have seen recently that there is also a movement around smart villages, that I think it's also another clever idea, right? Like to empower villages that uh, usually are not digital, that are uh, apparently, far away from the digital transformation that happens in the cities, but where they have a lot of things to say and a lot of things also to to produce. And and recently I did an interview to another colleague of of the master, of the AI for Gov master, that works with a startup, um, uh, like working in the countryside. And it's really important also to, to digitalize, to create AI models that works with, with in this in his case was uh, i mean it was the episode with michael um and it was around um farms and, and very very countryside uh, things that are really really interesting but actually i mean it's very important um i mean most of the food we we eat uh, like from plants or animals uh they come from the countryside and and Maybe it's one of the most important things in our life. So um, there is like a lot of things that could already be done there as well, and and also the data produced there. It's very important to maybe um, predict. I mean, I don't know the future somehow. Maybe the 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 production of any specific uh, kind of fruit or something. I mean, there's like a lot of things that are really relevant. And as you say, uh, these open data scenarios. Um, are really intelligent because maybe you don't know exactly how, but maybe an, a startup or an, another company can take this data that is produced by the public sector and 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 go for it for a solution that goes to the to the I mean goes through uh, the, the 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 like everyone like everything is going to take a benefit from it. So yeah, really important. And Helen, let's now talk about the future. Uh, you talked a little bit before, I think, um, you talked about responsible, trustworthy AI in Europe a little bit um, and how important it is to 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 put light in these black boxes, as you, you said before. Um, but um, how do you see it? Do you see the future? Uh, I mean, are you more optimistic or pessimistic about the future?
1: Well, it's funny because, you know, our our interview was uh, normally scheduled one week ago and during this week there has been so many things going on uh in the news uh about uh yeah ai uh, regulation because you know ensuring uh, responsible and trustworthy ai unfortunately uh needs some uh, some regulation and uh, and that when i crafted my first uh, i mean i uh, yeah when i thought about it first the first time um there was yeah i mean there was the ai act and it was pretty much not everything but it was really kind of uh, the the leads initiative <laughs> and this week there has been so many other initiatives uh all over the world uh, around regulation so so i think it's uh, to me i mean um I am a huge believer into the potential of AI for humanity. Uh, but in the meantime, of course, I mean we you 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 cannot ignore the fact that there is also some a lot of risk and the fact that all powers, great powers uh worldwide uh, are taking now a stance on regulating uh, each one of them with its own uh, flavor and uh, and and now it's just the beginning so we have to see how it's going to unfold but but to me already it feels like okay um we europeans are not the only ones talking about that i mean it was not the case before but you know really you know investing a lot of efforts in this we are not alone um, and, uh, yeah, there is a general understanding about that. Now, it's also funny to see there is also kind of this fight for taking the global leadership on regulating AI. Uh, so it's interesting to, uh, to witness. Um, but, uh, but yes, I think it can, it, it can do harm. Um. If we take Europe uh, more specifically uh, now, uh, I think that yeah, following the AI Act is going to be really the the, the making of uh, standards that uh, that are going to um, let's say support uh, the um, um, the enforcement of the AI Act uh, and. Uh, yeah, there are already. Yeah, I I, 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 want to be optimistic, uh, but, but I really hope uh, this process is going to be uh, transparent, and uh, that uh, this uh, standardization process uh, is really going to take into account, um, yeah, not only big companies but also uh, the interest of small companies, and not favor um proprietary AI uh that is perhaps uh, where vendors are more able to cope with the complexities of um of uh, what the regulation asks for, but um yeah, be able also to uh, have some flexibility to accommodate uh, smaller uh, actors and also uh, sustain open source because um yeah, I think open source is super important uh, too. Um I mean when we talk about generative AI there are values embedded uh in uh, uh in what is provided uh as uh, as knowledge. So it is really important that uh that we are also able to sustain more open um, platforms and, and, and work with researchers also to, to, to increase the transparency of these, uh, these platforms. So, uh, so yeah, this is what I think that the challenges, uh, lies next, but also how we are going to enforce it and so on. I mean, but, but I'm optimistic <laughs> to answer your question. I think it goes to the <laughs> right direction.
0: Yes, actually, I think it's a very interesting moment uh, in the history. I think so. I'm I'm happy that we are witnessing that. Right, like so everything is changing really quickly. So yes, I'm happy um, being part of this. And I mean, oh, I'm I'm sure that in about I don't know ten years, in in ten years or twenty years, um, I think we are not going to talk anymore about artificial intelligence because. It is. It, it will be so so uh, clear that it's integrated in our daily life that it's not going to have like a name like that. I'm I'm really sure that it, we are going to have so many new things that we don't even know now. <laughs> uh, but uh, not anymore the word artificial intelligence. It's going to be something more complex. Um, so many different types of AI's. That I mean. So even sometimes I think uh, maybe the AI regulation that we are thinking now. Um, it's going to be so, so uh, small in a couple of years because I remember, for example, the first regulation of of computers and internet. Now, if you read them, um, they are really (laughs) old-fashioned. Even the words they're using, they are not anymore used. And and sometimes I feel like that. So maybe in about 20 years or 10 years, uh, AI is not going to be even like a word we use. So... Yeah, sometimes I try to think like that, that maybe everything is just going to be so quickly, so like that, that, yeah, who knows? But at the end of the day, I'm also optimistic and I think that uh, it will help so much in medicine, for example, in, in the, I don't know, fraud detection, in in using um, like all the, the, the for example, in the, in the cities, as you were saying before, in, in trying to, to help citizens to have a better uh, life, so I think there are like multiple use cases, and and most of them are going to be good for humanity. So yeah, I'm also optimistic. Mm-hmm. And Helen, we are almost finishing. Um, as you saw, time passed really, really quickly in the in, in the podcast. So I have, have a question to to start finishing the interview. So. Um, I would like you to give a, a piece of advice to imagine someone who is listening to this podcast, someone that maybe um, is finishing uh, the university or is starting a career in the professional world and is listening to us, for example, thinking, oh, how interesting uh, this is, how interesting uh, digital transformation and project management worlds are uh and and maybe is uh, thinking to start a career in this direction but doesn't know exactly how can you give an advice to this person
1: yeah i would say uh don't be afraid uh, to learn because um very often uh, people who i mean it was my case i, I didn't study specifically uh, yeah let's say a tech uh, matter but uh, but if you are passionate, if you are uh, willing to, to to do the extra mile, willing to 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 to, to keep on uh, learning and uh, and 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 do it and, and understand that it's going to be a lifelong uh, stuff <laughs> happening to you, um, then I mean you 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 can uh, you can definitely uh, go into this field because it's really something that uh, that requires to 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 learn. Nonstop, but if you are at the start of the of your career, I would say just just start and you know what you want to do. Um, you know more or less uh, perhaps the the sector you would like to work in. Just just start and and see and venture. I mean, a career is uh, is something that is long. Uh, you can change. In my case, change uh, from one sector to another, to another has been only. Uh, (laughs) Virtuous, so uh, so so don't be afraid to make mistakes because this is also by by getting to know uh, different organizations uh, that that you also identify what you like and what you don't like, and um, and it's also what makes uh, the journey interesting. So uh, so yeah, don't yeah I would say don't be too specific. at the beginning, just venture, learn and discover.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a good piece of advice to someone who is starting. But now if you think, for example, someone who is uh, t- thinking about changing, as you, you said that you did before, um, what would you say to this this kind of person? So
1: changing from one sector to another.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Um yeah, well, it depends on what is required and uh, and sometimes you have to do your homework before being able to really move from one, let's say, one topic to another. For instance, in my case, uh, I... Uh, when I started uh, getting very interested in, uh, in artificial intelligence, because yes, I was dealing with digital transformation and I, I could see it was going to disrupt a lot of things. And I, I tried first to do it on my own to, to, to understand how it was working. Uh, but, but when I understood that it was just too much, there were too many aspects that were impacted. I, I just went back on, uh, on, on studying again. I did my, uh, AI for Gov uh, master, and um, and yeah, I mean, this is what, uh, what gave me uh, somehow the feeling of legitimacy uh, because then I, I, I could, uh, yeah, let's say benefit from the experience of other people being specific and recognized in that field. And, and then it could give me uh, this legitimacy uh, for entering this field, otherwise, would have been more difficult for me to 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 really feel comfortable so so yeah, I mean don't going back to school <laughs> it's an investment, but I've done it twice in my career, and it has always paid off um if you can avoid it, then it's fine, but sometimes you you i mean i see a lot of people saying oh yeah i would like to do this but it would require that i take on a master degree and that i do something more i mean it it always pays off and if you are really passionate and you want to to do it uh yeah don't be afraid and uh, and go for it yeah i think that would be my piece of advice for someone who wants to shift a uh, career uh, but feels somehow overwhelmed because uh yeah, there's too too much to unpack.
0: Great, thank, great, thank you for for the advice. I think they are really wise and uh, maybe also valuable for someone who who is listening. So, just if, for example, this person wants to communicate with you to to tell you thank you for these advices, how can the audience contact you?
1: Well, I'm on LinkedIn <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I'm. Um, I'm connected a lot uh, on LinkedIn. So so that would be the best, uh, the best way.
0: Great. And also the last question I usually ask to all the guests in this podcast, Helen, is uh, what's your favorite type of coffee? You know, this is the AI Coffee podcast. So of course, coffee is also a relevant part of the podcast. So how do you like coffee?
1: So my coffee, my favorite coffee is very short and probably it would be, very cool. By the time we have finished this podcast, because I love a very short espresso, an Italian one, and uh, yeah, usually uh, brewed on the side and uh, preferably sustainably sourced to be <laughs> to be also to cover <laughs> the ethical concerns. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's a great point of view i think no one said that so so thank you for for this yeah it's it's good to 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 talk about this as well so helen we uh we have finished thank you very much for your time for your energy as you said before that's the second time we are uh, trying to record so thank you very much also for being like here again and trying again to to do this interview and and thank you very much yeah i think it was really valuable
1: Thank you. It was a real pleasure.
0: Okay. Okay. And also, thank you to you that are listening again one episode. Uh, it's a pleasure for me being here one more week. Uh, I wish a very good day to you. And if you liked it, please subscribe, share it with your friends, your relatives, your colleagues. And think about AI. Are you optimistic or pessimistic? Tell me in comments or every, whatever you want. Thank you. Bye-bye.